Welcome to the What It Really Be Like podcast, where I sit down with people who I think have interesting jobs or life experiences that I want to know more about. This episode features U.S. expat Caitlin Witchman. If you're not familiar with the term expat, it's short for expatriate, which is synonymous with emigrant. So it's someone who left their home country to go live elsewhere. In this episode, I talked to Caitlin about why she did this move, the expectations she had versus the realities, what she may have learned about her home country, and what she may have learned about herself. If you've ever thought about moving to another country, either temporarily or permanently, this will give you a good glimpse into what that may be like. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider leaving a review. If you're watching this episode on YouTube, as there is a video element, it would mean a great deal to me if you just subscribe, like, or especially leave a comment. Ask me a question about something maybe I didn't cover, Tell me a, maybe a topic that you want to hear for the next episode or someone that you know that may want to be on the podcast. Any of those things may take you a few seconds and feel like a small gesture, but it's a big deal to a small channel like mine. So I appreciate your viewership and any support you can give. As always, if you or anyone you know is interested on being on the podcast, drop me a line. You can email me at wirblepod at gmail.com. That's W-I-R-B-L-P-O-D. You can also follow or message me on Instagram at WerbelPod. And now I give to you U.S. expat Caitlin Witchman. All right, Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So you are originally from the U.S. and I am. you're currently living abroad. And, you know, this is something that most people don't do. Most people don't leave their home country um, and live somewhere permanently or temporarily. So this is um, something I've been interested in hearing more about mm -hmm. because uh, sometimes it's maybe like where you're born is not the best fit for you, or maybe you just need to experience something different. So I kind of want to hear your story and your take on this. So I guess we could start um, just taking me back to Caitlin before you moved abroad. Um, mm -hmm. What was going on in your life? Like what made you make this, this big change? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I was living in Los Angeles. So I live, I went there for college and I lived there for like four years and then two years after college. And I was working normal nine to five job. Um, I worked for really cool companies, like a really cool SaaS company, like pretty much as good as it gets for a corporate job but I still just felt unfulfilled. And I think some people kind of just have that feeling when you're just like, I'm meant for something more than going into the office from nine to five. Um, so I started taking on freelance clients and I realized that I could make an income outside of a typical nine to five corporate job. And that's when I first moved to Bali. Um, I booked a round trip one month trip to Bali and I was supposed to do it while still doing my corporate job. Um, but then I decided just to leave my corporate job and then I just never took my return flight back to the U S. So you had a and flight booked and you were just like, nah, not, go not doing it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So why didn't you, why didn't you get on that plane? What was, um, what had captivated you in Bali? Was it the lifestyle? Was it the location? Was it the change of pace? 
Um, I mean, I think it was always kind of the plan was just to move to Bali. I was just too scared to just book a one-way flight like that, just like in my head, like that was really scary. <laughs> um, but it was more, I mean, I loved living in Bali, but I didn't really have any connections anymore in Los Angeles. I gave up my apartment. Like I ended my lease. I did have my car, um, which made it a little complicated, but it was just easier to live in Bali, especially with the affordability. And I was just getting started freelancing. So it made more sense for where I was in my life to stay there instead of Los Angeles. Cause they are very, two very opposite places. Yeah. So I, I guess I do want to step back to and ask you what drew you to Los Angeles? Because as far as I remember, mm -hmm. you weren't, you're not from Los Angeles. And I know mm -hmm. Los Angeles is a place where a lot of people move to, to network to mm -hmm. see, you know, where they can make it or where they can fit in the world. So, um, was that you and, and what took you there to LA? Yeah. I mean, I think I was drawn out to Los Angeles. I mean, first for the weather and then also entertainment industry. It's a city where something's always happening. Like it's the place to be. Um, and I got a good scholarship to a private university there. Um, so that's kind of what drew, drew me out there. And I think for where I was in my life, then it was a good fit for me. Um, yeah. Okay. And you said that you started freelancing. So mm -hmm. was this like a conscious effort on your part? Like, Hey, I need to, um, adopt a source of income that's going to allow that flexibility so that I can live abroad. Yeah, that's a great question. It was always a dream of mine. Mm. Like I think pretty much everyone, or I don't know, a lot of people that's kind of a dream is to like freelance and, um, not be tied down to a corporate job. Um, so that's kind of why I went into digital marketing and to pay at advertising. I've all, I would say like my passions actually more into like events and events management but I knew that would be a lot harder to do remotely. Um, so that's why uh, I, it kind of came down to, I had two really good jo job offers and one was for a top talent agency in Los Angeles doing events. And I was like, it, it's like a dream job, but I knew I would be tied to Los Angeles forever. Or I had this SaaS startup in Santa Monica um, doing digital marketing. And I knew that digital marketing would lead me more on a path that eventually I could work remotely. So I made a conscious choice to accept the job in digital marketing. And then I had people reach out to me for freelancing. Um, so it kind of all fell into my lap, but it was all because of choices I made as well. Yeah. Cause I guess, you know, with, with that type of work, uh, freelance marketing, it's like you, you can work, from anywhere, obviously, but also any time, whereas like mm -hmm. events, scheduling, whatever, you'd really have exactly. to be set on a certain time yeah. zone. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it's like your life revolves around that. And that's the same with the entertainment industry. Your life revolves around your job. And I want, I've always wanted my job just to be like, obviously I want to be passionate about it, but I want my life to be the center of everything. I don't want my job to be the center of everything. You want to work to live, not live to work. So exactly. To yeah. Okay. Exactly. How long were you in Bali? I was in Bali. So I had a visa for six months and I stayed for three months. And then, um, it's a really transitional place. 
So everyone was going to Thailand. So I went to Thailand for a month and then I went to Vietnam for a couple weeks. Um, and then I moved or, oh, and then I went to Argentina until um, coronavirus. And then I went back to the U.S. Remind me of uh, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Just <laughs> can't pin you down. Yeah. So you went. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's almost when you're living a digital nomad lifestyle, it's almost addictive. I mean, you you did it too. Like, it's you're always wanting to go to like the next new place, and it's just so exciting. Yeah, it's it's always fresh, right? It's like mm -hmm. you're always exploring in a way. Like you you mm -hmm. start to settle a little bit and, and there's, mm -hmm. for me, I found like a lot of joy in like settling into a place, finding a routine sure. and starting to live like a local. Mm -hmm. It was fun for me to kind of blend in in that way. Um, Definitely. but then Definitely. it's also fun to mix it up and just see something. It's, it's just fun when every day is like new, right? I guess is, mm -hmm. is one way to put it. Yeah. And I think it depends what your friends are doing too, because that can have a big impact. So now that I'm living in Lisbon, I have a lot of like long-term friends, like people that have leases here. So I feel like really stable here. But when you're living in Bali, it's like everyone's just there for a month or two and then they move on to another place. And then like mm -hmm. either you just keep making new friends or you move too. So. Yeah. And Lisbon, to my knowledge, um, since you brought it up, has been... Mm -hmm a hotspot for the last, I don't know, a couple of years at least for mm -hmm. expats. Right. So mm -hmm. I guess, so you, you said that you went back to the U S uh, during COVID times. Did you yes. go straight to Lisbon after that? I did. Yeah. So I applied for a visa. I had never been to Lisbon. Um, but I'd heard great things online about it. So I just applied for a visa and I got approved and I moved here and I was like, I really hope I like it and I love it. <laughs> and I haven't looked back since. That's, that's a pretty big leap. I mean, you, yeah, you just knew about the place. You had never seen it. And yeah. that's like pretty big commitment to get a visa and just and uproot your life. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I was just kind of looking at it. I knew I wanted to come here and I wanted the option to stay for more than three months. Um, so that's kind of just how I looked at it. And I was like, if I don't like it, I can always go back yeah. to the U.S. Like, the U.S. will always be here, I think. Exactly. <laughs> I so, hope so. Yeah, so let's, let's pause on that for a second because for people that don't know, the U.S. passport allows you visa-free travel to Europe three months at a time every six months. So you didn't want to be tied down to that constraint. Exactly. And so you got yeah. a visa. and. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. It's actually pretty difficult to get a visa to live in Europe. Um, it's like usually special circumstances, like you got to be a student or you got to be hired uh, as an employee, which is kind of hard to do. Or I think there's a freelance visa. Is that the one you did? Or can you tell us about your process there? Yeah, um, I do think it's changed, but I have the D7 visa, which is actually for retirement purposes um, or passive income. So my income isn't exactly passive because I do work for my money, but it's considered like passive enough um, that I got approved. And yeah, I know they've gotten a little stricter over the years and now they just launched a digital nomad visa also. So I would probably have that now, but 
and I, it's similar to what I have the D7. Um, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess um, there's just from what I've seen, there's like mixed opinions on, um, you know, these European countries attracting freelance workers because mm -hmm. there's a lot of programs that the government creates, like the freelance visa. Mm -hmm. I know Estonia has like a, you know, a nomad visa. There's, there's a number of countries that do this. And in fact, there's, you know, golden visa programs where you can invest or buy property and then get citizenship mm -hmm. after a certain amount of years. But I think there's been some pushback against these programs by locals um, mm -hmm. because of rising costs of, of housing and whatnot. So this is something I wanted to get into too. Um, what's, what's the reception like with, with, uh, with the locals um, for people moving there? Yeah, um, I read a lot of stuff online. Um, I think there's a lot of hate going on online, but all the people, all the Portuguese people that I meet in real life are really, really welcoming, um, really kind. Um, so I've never had any issues with that, but I do know, obviously there's a housing crisis here and, um, you know, everyone's always looking for someone to blame and it's easy to blame kind of digital nomads. I think a lot of it kind of has to do with Airbnb and just like over tourism as well here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some issues and, um, that's why I try and be careful, like saying like, oh, you should move to Portugal. Cause it's like, you, everyone can't move to Portugal. Um, so yeah, but all, all the Portuguese I meet here are super welcoming and super happy to have so many people from different cultures and wanting to come here. Yeah. Isn't it funny? Like as a side note, it seems like so many of the hot topics online like that are really just online. Like you hear about mm -hmm. how enraged people are, but then in, in yeah. your everyday life, you never really see it. Yeah. I see stuff like on Reddit and it like blows up and I don't know. It's also, I will say too, the type of people that I meet are Portuguese that are at events that I'm at or like, you know, they're the type of people that are around international people. So it, it, there is a chance that like the type of people that are on Reddit, like, I'm not meeting them day to day. So it's a hundred percent valid that there's some people with those opinions. True. Um, but it does get like blown out of proportion, kind of like how people are like, Oh, everyone in the U S has guns or, you know, you like read that online, but it's, we're shooting it's everyone just, all the time. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, like people ask me here that have never gone to the U S they're like, Oh, or like, are you scared? You're going to get shot like every day. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, Europe feels very safe. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, okay, so let's. I guess let's talk about Lisbon and, and Portugal in in particular. Um, what uh, what are the things that kind of drew you there? I know you said you heard good things, and um, mm -hmm. what are the? How was the reality different than the expectations? It's honestly very similar to what I expected. I had been to Madeira before the island. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew I really liked that. Um, but I was looking for a place with really good weather, weather like year rounds, really like warm weather year rounds, really important to me. Um, I was looking at affordability, um, safety is really, really, really important to me. And then other people working online, like a community, um, 
some English spoken, which that's, that's something that really, really surprised me, especially like coming from Buenos Aires before where there wasn't as much English. Um, I was really nervous <laughs> to come here and it, it's insane. Like how many people speak English? Like, it, yeah, it's crazy. Um, but then it makes it hard for me to learn Portuguese because everyone speaks English. <laughs> right. So, Where's the incentive? Yeah. That, that was yeah. going to be one of my questions. So I guess um, mm -hmm. if we can talk a little bit more about that, the the language barrier. Now, mm -hmm. most, at least in, in most European capitals, I've never had a problem with, with English only mm -hmm. um, just because it's so common in Europe, especially the larger cities. But I imagine, uh, well, first it's good to like just learn a little bit of language because it goes a long way with, with the locals, right? When you kind of mm -hmm. make an effort there. But Definitely. Can you tell me about, um, because you do have to deal with like officials, right? Government officials and, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure there are times when you kind of hit that language barrier. So can you tell us more Definitely. about that? Yes. I will say usually someone speaks some English. Um, but I've been in the hospital a lot recently, uh, the public hospital. And there I will come across people that don't speak any English and then usually I'll just use Google Translate um but yeah it's frustrating for sure I'm embarrassed like I'm embarrassed every day that I don't speak more <laughs> Portuguese um especially when I tell people that I live I've lived here over a year um but I I can say for me I really try I go to Portuguese lessons uh twice a week um I try and speak Portuguese whenever I can and that's more than most people. So I am trying. Um, I have a very strong accent, which is embarrassing. Mm. Um, and I'm self-conscious about it, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, there's occasionally, or like the um, optometrist I go to, like they, like the lady I was seeing, she didn't speak that much English, but you always can get by. Like they, everyone speaks enough that you can get by, or I can pull out some Portuguese if I need to. And there's always Google Translate, so yeah, it's not an issue. Thank God for Google Translate, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> just right there in the palm of your hand anytime. I can't imagine traveling before that, like all the walls Definitely. people used to hit, so. Yeah, it's a savior. You mentioned you went to the hospital. This is a big topic I wanted to hit, mm -hmm. and that's healthcare, because yeah. healthcare is much different in Europe. Um, so can you tell me about your experience with the healthcare system, like, are you covered, you know, as, as an expat there? Like what, mm -hmm. what are the details there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent covered. I have a public health number called, it's called SNS. Um, so I, back in November, I had an emergency, um, and I was taken to the hospital and then I went to the hospital probably like 10 days in a row. I didn't stay there, but I was in the emergency room a lot. I did have to wait sometimes a couple hours. It's all depending on how urgent your issue was. Um, so since mine had to do with my eye, it was very urgent. So I think I waited a lot less than most people. So if you just have something, I don't know, like you're really sick, you might have to wait like, I don't know, six or seven hours. So it is kind of crazy. Um, but you can also go to a private hospital and pay. Um, and then you're seen a lot quicker. I did try doing that, um, but they referred me to the public hospital because um, anything that's really serious, you need to go to the public hospital. 
Um, so I, I've had pretty good experiences and then I've been going back. I go back every like month or two months to see a specialist and she speaks English and yeah, it's been, it's been fairly good and it's free. I don't pay anything. So. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah. all good experiences then with the healthcare yeah, system. I definitely. Had, I had one minor experience. I ran out of a medication when I was in okay. uh, Lisbon. And so mm -hmm. I went and, and picked some up and mm -hmm. no questions asked. They were like, okay, well, yeah. here's, what, here's what we have. And it was a quarter of the cost mm -hmm. that it was in the US. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. I don't know what would have happened. Like when I was living in the US, I didn't have insurance. Um, so if this had happened with my eye, I would probably be in a lot of debt right now. So yeah, no kidding. Right. We have, we have a lot of problems here with, with our healthcare. So good, good to know that that's, that you're taking care of there. And that's, that's important for quality of life. I think healthcare is something that's better, right. Um, that you enjoy more. So what are some other, uh, things about living in Portugal that you enjoy a lot more than the U S hmm. I mean, I think both have their pros and cons. Um, but I like that I can live here. I mean, a lot of what I like is kind of just tied into like freelance, which I mean, I could do in the U S too. Hmm. Um, but I like having like flexibility over my day. I like like all the different, there's just like a lot of different like opportunity in Lisbon. Um, and like, just kind of like networking and the type of people here are really cool. Um, so for example, like tonight, like I'm at a cool, like, um, like social, like membership club. Um, tomorrow I'm going to like a cool brunch with this club that it's called a thousand club that it's they want to have 500 Portuguese and 500 foreigners and just bring all these people together for like networking and socializing. Um, and that's not something I had ever been a part of in the U S obviously. So it's just, I think my favorite thing is just being around so many different cultures. And like when I was living in Kansas city, like it was, I mean, it was during COVID too. So it was just like literally just people that were raised in Kansas um, so it's so cool meeting tons of like Brazilians, tons of Portuguese, everyone from everywhere in Europe, like just meeting people from all over. Um, that's probably my favorite thing about being here in Portugal. What are some of the things that, cause you mentioned trade-offs, right? And that, I agree. I think that, um, every country has its trade-offs and mm -hmm. it's just kind of like how how it fits you right as a person so what are what are some of the the downsides about living there hmm um the bureaucracy like everything like for example like going to the hospital like nothing's really like easy kind of so it's like they'll tell me my appointment and then there's no way that I can like change the appointment because I don't have an online account because I'm not a citizen. Um, so it's just like, I have to show up like in two months at this time at the hospital. Um, and like not everything's online. Um, a lot of stuff you have to go in person for that. Like maybe in the U S you wouldn't have to, um, there's a lot of like little differences too. Like they won't leave your packages at your door. So I have to go to like a couple blocks away and wait in line. And they'll usually just speak Portuguese to try and get my package. And 
Um, I think another difference that probably a con too is a lot of the service workers um, usually are like, it's like the opposite of the US where the customer's always right and like they want to please you. It's kind of the opposite here. <laughs> They're just like, like you'll go to the bank, they'll be like, why are you here? Like, why didn't you, like, why didn't you just call? Like, this could have been a phone call. And I'm like, I need help. I'm locked out of my account. Like, they're not very empathetic and not very customer service friendly. So I'd say that's a con. It's it's just like little things. I noticed that too. I notice um, the, a lot of this, the wait staff at restaurants stuff, they act mm -hmm. like yeah. it's a privilege that you're here, not not that we're serving you kind of thing. So yeah. And then like uh, professionals, like say repair people, you know, like they'd be like, oh yeah, I'll be there tomorrow at three and they don't show up for like three days. That yeah, kind of thing too. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So um, not, a, not a lot of big downsides, I guess, um, at least in your case. What's, yeah. how about this? What, um, what, for me, one of the things I really love about traveling, especially staying places and living like a local is that it shifts my perspective a lot on things. Um, mm -hmm. I think that you have an idea of how other people live in the world, but you really don't fully understand it until you're living there or you're staying there or whatever. And, um, mm -hmm. It really gets my gears turning and whatnot. So, can you tell me in in what ways uh, living there ha or living abroad in general has shifted your perspective on home life in the U.S.? Hmm. I think I think I've definitely changed, but I don't realize it kind of until I go back to the U.S. Hmm. or I meet like Americans here, and I'm like, "Whoa, they're so American," <laughs> and like. But it's just like little things. I don't know. I I think at my core, like I'm still kind of an American and I still have the American like I don't know, like ambitions and like personality. Um, but I think yeah, you just kind of adapt to the place that you're at. Like my sense of even like style has kind of changed. My like how loud I talk has changed because hmm. I wanna like adapt to the place that I'm at. Um but nothing too crazy. Like I think at my core, I'm still the same person. So. Okay. I guess, uh, how about this? I, I noticed, um, as Americans, we have this perception, like when we go places that we're kind of like the loud, obnoxious Americans, um, which I think is true sometimes, but honestly, like mm -hmm. most people didn't really have that opinion. What I found, uh, more often, um, they had pretty positive opinions about Americans. One of them was that we are very friendly. Like we'll talk to anybody mm -hmm. about anything and, and we'll be really cool yeah. with them. Yeah. The other one that kind of surprised me though, was we're known to have this like, um, determinism where we're just like, we're, yeah. we're set out to do this and we're going to get it done. Like that's kind of an American thing. So have you, yeah. have you been told anything similar about Americans or any, maybe any negative things? I would say the exact same ones as you pretty much. Um, but yeah, I think, I think a big difference too, like whenever I say that I'm American, people are immediately like, whoa, she's so rich. <laughs> I think that's, that's kind of a big, like you're from the U S like you must have a big salary. You must have a great job. You, um, I think that's the, Thing I get a lot and I'm like no I work for myself and I I mean sometimes I have American clients sometimes I have European clients but 
yeah people just and I mean I got that a lot too when I was like traveling in Asia too but yeah even in Portugal it's like well you're American um you were kind of like born lucky almost I get that too like Portuguese will be like they feel like they were just born kind of unlucky and I think sometimes they're jealous of Americans that have American jobs and then move here Mm. um so yeah, it's usually something around money um, or jobs um, that I get. And I think America uh, too, they're like, usually Americans kind of just dress like brighter. We're more like unique. While in Portugal, everyone kind of tries to fit in. Um, so I think that's a difference too. Interesting. I, I noticed uh, in my travels that, like I said, you, you kind of start just blending in with the locals, whether you're intentional about mm-hmm. it or not. And then it's so obvious when you spot Americans, like Mm -hmm. there's just something like you can just kind of recognize your own people, even if they're Mm -hmm. dressed like kind of like a local, like there's just a Mm -hmm. way that people carry themselves or whatever. I don't know. It's just like, I'm always like that guy's American or that person's American and Mm -hmm. I end up talking to him and it's like, sure enough. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of funny. Definitely. Yeah. And another thing I notice as an American abroad is when people befriend you, they always want to bring up politics. They always ask me like mm-hmm. my opinion on Trump or Biden or mm-hmm. whatever. And then they always want to talk about guns too. And mm-hmm. like, man, your country's so crazy for the guns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's funny yeah. the the um the things people have interest in, in in the US. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean I think it just has to do with media. Like it just gets blown up. So yeah. I get a lot of Trump, a lot of um guns too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what uh what things do you miss about the US? Um I definitely miss my family. I miss my family a lot. Um and also like all my friends there. Um I miss like getting stuff delivered is so much easier. <laughs> um everything's kind of like at the tip of your fingers like you can get anything off Amazon. Um, when I Google stuff, it's in English. <laughs> I miss that. Um, everything's a lot more modern, just different, but I mean, sometimes I miss it. Um, everything, you can get everything so much quicker. I miss fast food. <laughs> um, 24 yeah, hour it's convenience. Like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot more convenient. <laughs> um, I've had to learn a lot of patience here, mm. which... I think maybe that's kind of an American thing, just being kind of impatient. So yeah, you can't live in Portugal without being patient. So I've had to learn that. Um, so yeah, there's like little things that I miss, but nothing I can't live without. Yeah, that's that's something that I was curious about too. It's like, you know, you, you lived in the US for most of your life, so you've built up friends and you have, obviously you have family and whatnot. So I imagine you go visit them periodically, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Probably like once a year or once every other year, I'll go out to Los Angeles and then I go home to Kansas at least once, maybe twice a year. So. Okay. Um, how do you know, like, do you have a plan going forward? Like how long are you going to stay in Lisbon? Are you going to go somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Do you ever plan yeah. on going back home? Like, tell me about that. I have no idea. <laughs> like, that's how I've been my whole life. Like, I'm just taking it day by day. 
um, like five months ago, I signed a three-year lease here. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> but you only have to, um, you can get out of it after one year, like really easily. So it's pretty much a one-year lease. Um, they just prefer longer leases. Um, so I, I do see myself here for the next three years. And I do see myself getting citizenship. So that's kind of something I'm working towards. And that takes five years. Um, so I'm kind of working towards that. Other than that, I don't know if there's really anywhere else I want to live. The only reason I'd probably go back to the U.S. is for kind of like job opportunities. A lot of jobs, even freelance, they want you to be in the U.S. Um, and I mean, I have nothing against the U.S., so it might make sense later on. I don't know. It's not in my plan right now. I've looked into Australia a lot, too. Never been there. But I think it would be a cool place to like live and settle down. Um, so if that could work eventually, that would be really cool. But I have no idea. Yeah. And, and nor do you have to know, right? I mean, no. be in the moment and, and do what feels right. Exactly. Another thing I want to touch on is um, the expat community. I think yeah. there's a pretty big one there in Lisbon. So yeah. I'm sure that's been helpful in your case. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane here. There's so many expats and so many people like living here permanently. Um, I don't think it gets any better. Like, I think we have probably the biggest community in the world. Um, yeah, just like walking on the streets, you'll meet, yeah, people from all over and it's, yeah, there's a lot of tourists, but there's a lot of people that are living here long-term and, um, they're really easy to meet and yeah, just the coolest. I honestly think Lisbon attracts like the coolest people in the world. Yeah. I mean, I was there, so I I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like facts. (laughs) No, it was it was a great time. Lisbon's a really cool city um, because it's for me in Portugal in general, but it's it's got like a perfect mix of like old and new, mm-hmm. right? It's like a historic place, but mm-hmm. it's like also mm-hmm. cutting edge modern. Um, mm-hmm. Great weather, like you said, probably the best weather mm-hmm. in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's relatively affordable when you compare it to yeah. some other countries. Yeah. Uh, great people, great food. And it's no yep. wonder that this place really blew up in the last handful of years because it used to kind of be like a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. And now it's like the expat like destination, basically, seems like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think it just really attracts like-minded people, people that want to change their life and work remotely and just live in a really cool place. So you have all the people that move here and yeah, it's just a lot of fun. And you're doing it. You're living that life. How cool is that? Try and do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything that uh, we haven't touched on that you feel is, is important for people to understand about expat life? Um, I think the only thing I can think of is just that, like, people ask me, like, every day how I do it. And I think it's just kind of like you get stuck in your head. And you have to realize that you only have one life to live and you can always, always, always move back to wherever you're from or move somewhere new. Like, it's just, why not? And it is scary. Like just book maybe two weeks here. And then, cause that's what I did. I did two weeks and then I went home for Christmas and then I moved back here like permanently. So then it's just, it's all in your head. Like it's scary, but then all of a sudden you're here and you make friends and, 
I mean, occasionally you might be sad, but you get through it. And I think it makes you a stronger person if you live at least a month or two in a different country and you get to see how other people live and you don't need a lot of money. I think that's another misconception too. It's like, oh, you must be so rich, but it's, you don't need a lot of money. Like if anything, you can live cheaper here. So um, yeah, just if you can do it. That's my opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned it makes you a better person. I agree with that. Travel in general does. Mm -hmm. And you'd mentioned yourself mm -hmm. like it's made you a more patient person. Definitely. So, well, cool. I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, Caitlin, cool. thank you so much for showing up and, and sharing your experience. I think this was a great episode and people should, should take a lot mm -hmm. from it. Of course. Thank you, Brandon. Okay, have a good one. You too.